Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome to This Week in Production, the podcast. I'm your host, Art Aldridge, and joining me on the TWIP hotline. Yes, the TWIP hotline. All the way from Boston, Massachusetts, the TWIP fan favorite, Mr. Lou Lita. Well, it's a delight to be back, a true joy to uh, hear your voice, and uh, it's been a while, so thank you for having me back. It's been a while. I was I had Tom Chartrand, your friend and my friend, on last episode. Yes, and I, I we were it was good to hear. we were commiserating that we haven't seen each other in a while, and we used to see each other all the time. And I could say the same about you. We haven't really seen each other much recently, though we're used to seeing each other at least once or twice a month. Yeah, I know. It, it, I mean, of all the crazy, strange things this year, that might be the, the strangest, not seeing you for long gaps of time. Before I get to this week's topic, I want to encourage you to send me your comments and feedback. Please email thisweekinproduction at gmail.com or call me on my Google voicemail. I'm not going to answer, but it's it's a voicemail box that you can leave a message. 601-564-TWIP, T-W-I-P, 601-564-8947. Like I said, I'd love to hear from you, comments, suggestions, good, bad, or whatever. You want to yell at me? You want to tell me I suck? Please, I welcome it. Okay, let's get back to this week's topic. One thing that I know in this, you know, COVID, whatever people are saying, COVID era, COVID time, COVID crisis, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the one thing that is certain is that there are no certainties. And you and I have a similar trait in our personalities that we like to be overprepared for things. And I can't tell you one time in the last three months that I've woken up being completely prepared for anything that was going to happen that day. And it's just kind of the new norm is that, you know, be prepared for the unexpected or the, you know, circumstances that change at the last minute due to whatever mm-hmm. circumstances. Mm-hmm. And you well, just, you just had a job that falls into that category. And I thought we would talk about it on this week in production. Well, you're absolutely right. I I live by the mantra, the PPPP mantra, proper planning prevents poor performance. Uh, I learned that many years ago, actually from a golfer, you know, who always, you know, said to prepare for everything and to kind of, you know, visualize your shot and see what you want it to be, imagine it. And then if that doesn't go well, then have a plan to recover. So I kind of treat you know, most things in my life that way certainly work. And, you know, you and I have both been in this business for a long time. Um, We can't really predict the future, but, you know, with age comes wisdom and experience and knowledge and a little bit of insight about what could go wrong. So I kind of like to imagine what could go wrong before it does and figure out how to fix it. And if it never comes to pass, then, then great. 
often it's you know a stress-free day, but more often than not, it does come to pass, and quite often, even then, we're not prepared for it. Does this ever happen to you? This happened to me last night, and it's completely unrelated to anything that I've got going on currently, but I had a dream, and most of the time, I don't remember anything that I dream about. But last night, I had a dream that I forgot a mixer on a job, and I had no way to record the audio. And I woke up, and I'm like, for some reason, I better make sure I have the mixer ready. (laughs) I've had some very odd dreams in the last week, uh, which means I've actually been sleeping, which is a good sign for me. Um, I, I, I've, yes, I've definitely had, I usually have production dreams the night before jobs, although usually I don't sleep very well before jobs. So that means I'm not dreaming, but, um, I actually dreamt that the sun rose like three hours earlier than it was supposed to. So it was like three in the morning here and it was bright sun and it totally threw me off in my head. Like, why is it sunny out? And it's 3am. I'm like, did I oversleep? I didn't, but did you wake up in Alaska? I maybe maybe I was channeling uh, my Art Aldrich. Um, there, there, no. there was there was one time where a friend of ours. I'll I'll leave his name out of this uh, in case there's any legal ramifications of what I'm about to say. But we were we were in California, and we were coming back from a job, and I had to take a red eye with the client, mm-hmm. and I don't like red eyes. And uh, my friend, your friend, um, gave me some, um, I don't know, Ambien, right? That's a sleeping pill, I think. Oh, yes, yes. He gave me some Ambien. He says, take this when you get on the plane. It'll it'll put you out. And Mm -hmm. I literally took the pills when we got on the plane, and I didn't have any memory of anything from that point until I woke up the next day in my bed in my house. Isn't that usually what happens with tequila? No, usually I wake up in someone else's bed, and there's oh. there's a better story. <laughs> this time I woke up in my own bed, and I had no idea how I got there. And I then heard from different people along the way all these crazy things that I did either on the airplane, in the airport when we landed, or when I got home. And I had absolutely zero recollection of it, so maybe – you took some Ambien and you thought you were in Alaska, or you were in Alaska. You didn't even know it. Anyway, we've strayed off the, oh, we have. the line what was a little our topic? bit. Well, you were going to tell us about a recent job where you went in with a fair amount of uncertainty because of the circumstances, and we want to hear about the job. Right. Uh, a friend of mine, I'll, I'll give him a shout out, uh, Ron Carlstrom um, of Real Big Media. Um, landed this job with this company, a South African educational company who works with a lot of universities, colleges in the United States, and they do a lot of online curriculum programming with professors, and we happen to shoot one at Yale University. Uh, the job actually was supposed to be for 10 days, uh, but we had one day that had to be done a few days before the 10-day stretch, so I kind of looked at that as our, our uh kind of test grounds for what we were about to do. So the premise was the people in South Africa um, wanted to be able to monitor what was happening as he and I were shooting the professors with two cameras. Uh, There was a six-hour time difference. uh, So when we were starting at 9 a.m. in Yale in New Haven, Connecticut, uh, it was 3 p.m. in um, South Africa. 
So the first challenge was to be able to feed two cameras uh, and live stream the output of those cameras to South Africa, not for you know live uh, production per se, but just for them to be able to view remote, remote monitoring. Remote monitoring and directing. And, you know, th this is more your field than mine, but um, I've never really, you know, I'm not that involved in, in live. I, I like to be able to do multiple takes and not think of things in, in live terms, although I, ironically that's what I wanted to do when I started in this business. So um, they wanted to capture uh, footage so they could edit later, and the chosen cameras, and I really wasn't in charge of this, um, were the black magic. Uh, 6K uh, pocket cinema cameras, which I, I've seen, but I've never worked with. And I was, my responsibility was to be the DP, control both cameras, do the lighting, do the audio, two-man crew, me and Ron. But Ron was really more the director, the client liaison, and handling the stream. So I was kind of left to, uh, you know, handle the lighting, the audio, and the, and the shooting. So it's kind of a lot. Again, I, I always imagine worst case scenario. You know, I, I'm not going to have a lot of time. I'm not going to be in environments that I've seen before. So I, I kind of felt like I was going in blindfolded, which, again, is not part of my PPPP protocol, adding another P. Anyways, I, um, I you know, I, I wanted to know more about the cameras. So actually, I, I got a hold of the camera. Uh, several days before, put it through its paces. And, you know, it was quite intuitive, actually. Um, I sort of went in with a little bit of a negative attitude, you know, as a DP shooter, I'm sure you would agree, you'd always rather work with your own equipment, you know, the idiosyncrasies, in the heat of the battle, you know how to jump in and change ISO or white balance or shutter speed or formats. And you're pretty confident about it. Um, where, you know, without having work, even, you know, just testing out the camera, it's different than when you're in the heat of the moment. So I felt pretty comfortable going in. Um, but there's just a lot of unknowns, you know, you just can't, you know, are we going to have power? They wanted to shoot outside. Um, I needed to bring a bunch of lights. What was the weather going to be? Um, you know, how was I going to mic people? Because they were very, you know, very adamant about social distancing, as they should be. They, we had to get tested. We had to sign paperwork. Should we contract, you know, the virus? We weren't going to hold them responsible. So, you know, they wanted booms, but then they also wanted, um, you know, wireless labs. So, so now I got to rely on them to mic themselves, which is always a challenge. As you know, people just want to throw a loud mic on and let the wire hang. And I don't like that. I like to try to hide it. And, you know, you're trying to talk them through it and they don't quite get it. So those are the little things that can make me a little cuckoo. Now, when um, when you were in the discussion phase about this job, this Ron gentleman, did he mm -hmm. did he consult you? Were you involved in pre production? Were you were you calling yep. the shots as far as this is what we're going to do? This is what I need X Y Z, um, or was that left to Ron and you were basically just going to show up and do what you were told? Originally, you know, he told me about the job before we officially had the job. And, you know, I talked about this is how I think we should do it. Let's use my gear. Maybe, you know, I, I, as you know, I'm a big fan of the Panasonic Evo 1. I only really own I only own one of those. And they, it, it, I mean, the shoot was technically fairly simple. It was a professor talking directly to the camera. Sometimes it was scripted. Sometimes it was freeform. Sort of talking about their program and, and the actual um, the course and whatnot. But then they wanted a side camera, sort of, you know, from a 90-degree 90, uh, 90 perpendicular angle. 
um, which is more or less a lockdown camera, just so it was kind of a cut point. I mean, there really wasn't any B-roll, clean audio. But they, you know, they had a style to it that I had seen. It was actually quite a good style, and they were very compelling speakers. So I wanted to make sure that, you know, it looked good. Um, but then suddenly, you know, he didn't want to rent a second Eva, and there was the chance, you know, ten days that I may not be able to commit to ten days because couldn't really nobody could really commit to ten days because there was too many moving parts. The university needed to you know, give us approval of when we could shoot. The professors had to be available. I had to be available. Ron had to be available. So he actually owns a Blackmagic camera, decided to get a second one just in case I couldn't be there for whatever reason. You know, it's hard to commit 10 days when nobody can give you any guarantees. Right. Um, so that's how it ultimately got decided. And that's where my, a little bit of my panic struck because you know this is a big job it's a big client we certainly could end up doing a lot of work for them and it is yale and we want it to go well um so you know when we i when we got down there you know we had a shoot in their courtyard and we got everything set up the cameras looked good um and we had power and everything was lit perfectly and then the sun came and completely ruined our shot and you had so no you had we were, no provisions for no, weather, no, sun control, no grip no, trucks. No silks, no grip trucks. And these are the things that I always worry about. You know, it's like, so we're all set to go. The professor arrives, and now we got to move. So the entire setup was perfect. And now we had to basically calculate where the sun was going to go, how long it was going to take for the professor to do his part before the sun would then move again. So that was... Something, you know, that was probably one thing I didn't really plan on, you know, because I didn't I didn't location scout, you know, which technically would have wanted to do that. Um, but, you know, we we just moved everything into an area where we could control the light again until it moved again, had to move it yet again. And then it got to a point where we were good for the rest of the day. Now, now how is Ron like I know. So if I'm doing a job and I can't get a location scout or I can't get the tools I need, whatever, you know, if, if it's a job for a client that's new, I'm not going to really feel great about going in unprepared. I mean, how, like did Ron, what is his attitude in this scenario? Is he like, come on, Lou, like, you know, this is your area. You got to figure this out. Or is he like rolling, uh, he, rolling he, with he, the punches? He is very much rolling with the punches, which is kind of nice because, you know, I'm one that doesn't roll with the punches. I'm one that gets a little more intense, a little more tight. You know, if there's one missing piece, I beat myself up over it. And ironically, not my fault, we were missing a mic, uh, a mini uh, connector, mini USB that I think actually was used for powering a HDMI to SDI connector. So we could not feed both cameras to South Africa at the same time. So we had to switch out of HDMI cables, say, all right, this is camera one, switch it out. This is camera two. You like this shot, you like this shot. But once we started recording, they had to rely on just the main camera because right. we we're missing that one little cable. Right. Um, and there was no time to go running the looking for. But that wasn't on you, had... right? He was in charge that was of not the on live me. stream. Nope. Nope. Uh, and I've even brought extra things. I brought extra cameras. I brought extra lenses. I brought extra audio um, just in case. And yep. it, it actually worked out one day. We needed a third camera. Now, it wasn't a black magic, um, but we sort of needed a wide shot because they decided um, that 
they wanted to do some interviews with some of the adjunct professors that were going to be part of this online curriculum. And, you know, of course, they had a distance, six feet to do the interviews. So we had one black magic isolate on the interviewer, one black magic on the interviewee. But we really needed a, a, a wide shot, right, for them to cut to. So luckily, I had the extra camera and an extra tripod. Um, so that extra PPP paid off in that instance. Right. How did you conquer the sun issue? Were you able to find a location that had shade or that was... Yes. Yep. We, we, we ended up shooting... Uh, I mean, the background ended up being in sun. So you had a, a, quite a bit of um, overexposure in the background, but we did shoot it in, a, in the Blackmagic um, uh, log mode, their cinema mode. So there, there is some latitude there. And then we also... Uh, you know, shot just the backplate so they could sort of play with it, you know, in post. So who was um, going to do the yeah, post with the people in South Africa? Yes, and a little factoid here. Um, some of this stuff had to be shot in 4K, and they needed the footage very quickly. Uh, I think the first day we shot, it was close to like 600, 700 gigabytes of footage. Uh, we recorded directly to ProRes. Um, and... I, ironically, Yale um, has the third fastest public Wi-Fi in the country. So we were actually able to upload um, all of this footage uh, when we didn't think we were going to be able to. Um, you know, we thought we were going to have to ship the, the footage, you know, to second or third day. But it worked out that we were able to do it right as we were continuing to shoot. So if you ever need a fast Wi-Fi and you're in the New Haven area, swing by Yale. That's good to know. Now, you said mm-hmm. that you were going to shoot log. So immediately in my mind, I'm like, okay, what's the exposure index for middle gray on this camera? Because if I don't know what that is, I'm not shooting log. I know. Again, this is, you know, they, they didn't seem to be too concerned about it. You know, we, we sent them a sample. They said, look good. So we went with it. So, right. Um, so you, you weren't really confident that you were using log in the spec of the black magic, you just were basically going on. Right. Well, I also was able to uh, apply a LUT, you know, as an output just to kind of see what it looked like. And I aired more on the side of a little more underexposed um, just in case. Um, And again, Ron does shoot quite a bit with the log mode um, and is very comfortable with, with the camera and color correcting uh, because he does do a fair amount of his own work. So, I had to rely a little bit on him. And this is where it makes me a little uncomfortable because if I was shooting with my own camera, I would know the idiosyncrasies. I would know what I could get away with. Um, right, because but, you, you but, could you could seriously compromise the footage if you expose log improperly. Correct, correct. So I sort of relied on the on the test, you know, the test shot and the, the LUT that you could apply on the output of the camera. Just right. So you put like. a 709 LUT on the yep. output mm-hmm. and yep. you were, and we were, you were basically, with the look you, of it. yeah. So you were basically exposing to a monitor and yes. hoping that, you know, it was going right. to go okay. Now, now I haven't seen the final edits and I'm looking forward to seeing those. I haven't been yelled at. I was paid for the job. So, so far everything's good. Um, you know, audio is always a big concern. Um, but, you know, because I, because uh, one of my uh, wireless is technically in the illegal spectrum, in the 600 megahertz uh, spectrum, which technically you're not supposed to use anymore. But hello, that's well, hello, I, FCC. <laughs> yeah, I got him on the line. 
I think the government's got other issues right now, other than my frequency. Uh, they might. Abuse. They might. <laughs> so I, you know, once the, you know, once the first couple hours settled down and we were settled in, and everybody was very happy with the shot, um, you know, it, we were able to, you know, relax and and everything. But you know, the second you relax, that's when you, that's when trouble happens. You know, like. Um, you know, a light will die or um, you forget to hit record. Not that that happened, but, um, you know, you just cannot really, even though it's the simplest of shoots, you're set up, it's a talking head, it's two cameras locked down. You know, that's sometimes when you let your guard down. You're like, oh, what could go wrong? You know, it's not like we're running around like lunatics. Um, But, you know, everything went pretty. In fact, we, it was supposed to be a 10 day shoot and we finished in basically five days because, they allotted so much time for weather, for scheduling, for professors not being available, for the COVID factor, Okay. you know, for any number of things. So, you know, really, it ended up being, you know, half the time we originally had planned. Did you get paid for 10 days? Um, Not quite, but let's just say it was close to 10 days. Let me ask you this question, because I, I've seen these jobs. I sometimes have passed on a job where I'm not feeling like it's, you know, going to go well. But so how do you price this job in a general sense? Like, you know, you're going in, you have no crew, you know, you're going to be basically humping, you know, for whatever the day is, plus the setup, the breakdown, the travel. Yep. Yep. Like, I how mean, do you price that job? Do you, and do you charge more since there's, you know, the COVID crisis do you put a COVID tax on it or how do you how do you handle that well i i also i sort of look at it at, you know especially this job as being a volume job i mean it was like guaranteed 10 days of work um plus the additional extra day and you know ron is a longtime client and great client and you know i've done a lot of work for him and he's been very happy and you know continues to call me and again it was sort of sold to me as Oh, it's only going to be a couple hours a day and, you know, pretty cut and dry. But, you know, you and I both know there is no such thing. I mean, yes, there are nightmare jobs and then there are jobs that aren't quite nightmare, you know. And and as I predicted, there were just certain things, you know, that we could have used another person. But again, the COVID is a factor. They don't want extra bodies around. In fact, one of the professors sort of thought he, he was developing a, an immune issue. So he was really adamant about us not coming anywhere near him, you know, which gets complicated with trying to light and the microphone and when batteries die and, you know, he's having to try to figure out how to turn the mic on and reclip it. And, you know, you just want to jump in there and do it and said he's getting frustrated and it was hot. So, you know, there is that factor. There's just like the stress factor. I mean, this, none of this is anything I haven't dealt with before. But I mean, it was. Can you, can you price the job to compensate yourself for that stress or that situation? I would say I was, you know, it was a, it was a full day rate, um, and as I said, it was like five days. I basically got paid like eight and a half days for. Now, so, if this wasn't a client that you knew and had a relationship with, would you have priced it differently? Yes, I would have. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but you know, I also, I, you know, I'm very tight with this client, you know, we're friends and, you know, I mean, frankly, I knew the budget on it. So I, you know, it's, I, I priced it where it was fair for him and for me. 
but you know, you, you run into situations where you've got all my gear on a cart, you get into an elevator, then you have to get into another elevator. And you know, it's one of those elevators you get in one way and you get out the other. So mm -hmm. you can get the elevator in, I mean, you can get the cart in the elevator, but you can't get the cart out of the elevator on the other end. So now you got to pull everything out and you got to lug it. And then you get into the issue. Do we break everything down, bring it back to the hotel, bring it into the hotel, or do we trust them to let us keep it there? Um, so we ended up doing that. So now, you know, it's hot. You're trying to, you know, stay on schedule. And now you got to pull everything off the elevator, hand carry it into the theater, and then set it all up again. And then tear it down. And then that's where you decide, are you going to bring it all back to the hotel? Or will they let you leave it there? Which they did. But, you know, it's always dicey leaving your equipment somewhere. Um, even though it's, you know, there's not a lot of people around right now. We ended up doing it. We were able to keep it locked in there. But there's just a lot of that, you know, running around where if you had a grip or a PA, it just takes a little bit of stress off of you. Absolutely. Um, you know, but it just, for a number of reasons, I think mostly they wanted to really minimize the crew, you know, for COVID no, that's, reasons. That's, that's understandable. But at some point, you know, you have to consider like what's going to make the production go well. Right. I mean, the good thing is, like, two days, were, we, we never moved. I mean, we set up the first day. We shot all day, shut everything down, came back the next day, flipped the lights back on, brought the cameras out, shot again. You know, originally, I thought we were going to be moving around a lot more, you know, in and out and in and out and outside multiple locations. It, it didn't turn out to be that bad. Um, so, again, this is where you sort of anticipate this, and then it doesn't come to fruition. And you're like, oh, all right, all that worry for nothing. Was there any point on this job where you thought to yourself, I didn't price it right, or I didn't put enough people on the crew, or I'm getting too old for this? I would say, yeah, at any moment, I, I could pick a moment anywhere in there. Like, you know, there's a little bit of a martyrdom in me. It's like, it's like the harder it gets, the more I embrace the challenge. It's like, I got to move all this gear now up, you know, this, this long ramp. It's not even really ramp. It's just multi-level of, of steps up a, a theater. But in the long, you know, you, st you sit here and calculate, well, if I put it in the elevator and do, you know, multiple loads and come out and then bring it back, it's like, or do I just suck it up and, and carry it all up the stairs? It's like you almost, you choose the harder way out of some sickness, maybe. I don't know. But again, this is where, like, if a PA were there, you know, they would have helped. And, I, you know, it's not like I'm afraid of hard work, but, you know, by the end of the day, you're worn down. I feel know? like and I've you, earned you, a certain level of assistance at this point in my career. Yeah, I, I kind of do too, but it just, I think if it had ended up being 10 days, um, we probably would have ended up bringing somebody. But once we were like in day two and we realized what the next few days were going to look like, we, we decided we don't really need it. But, um, you know, we got through it and it's already a distant memory at this point. Um, but you know, overall, I, I think it went, it, it was smoother than I had anticipated it being. I think the only mistake I made is they had wanted certain scenes shot in 4k. Um, so they could do more reframing and then like the main stuff they wanted shot in 1080 and on one of the cameras, I forgot to switch it back to 1080. So we ended up shooting a lot more data than we had originally planned. 
Got it. I mean, it's not the worst thing to do. You know, the other thing they wanted shot shot everything in in uh, PAL, and they should want it shot in twenty five uh, frame uh, frames per second. Which, I mean, I've done it a couple times. I, I don't really know if it's even necessary anymore. I mean, back in the day, back in the in the nineties, if you had to do this shoot in PAL, it would have been specific gear, specific monitors. You know, it would have to be built yeah, out I would completely have had a differently. Yeah, no question. But, you know, it, it's amazing. I mean, the, these Blackmagic cameras were like $2,000. Um, now, they were, you know, we still needed my prime lenses. And, um, oh, that was one little snafu that happened. I, I had a 24 to 70 L-series lens on one of the cameras and because they wanted to be able to mix up the focal lengths. So it was more the side camera. And at one point, the lens stopped focusing. You could no longer focus the lens for whatever reason, humidity, heat, for some reason it stopped focusing. I mean, you could still automatically, you know, use the autofocus feature, but it wasn't super, it couldn't quite get it. It was always off by a hair. So that sort of was a little bit of a panic, but we ended up popping on a prime lens and then just moved to, you know, how to physically move the camera back or forth and then find our focal length. So that was, again, an unanticipated problem. But luckily, I have a second 24 to 70, and I have enough lenses uh, that I, I believe I purchased all from, from yourself several <laughs> years ago. So, so there was a little bit of OTEC uh, on that job. Yeah, a little bit of Monica as well. A little bit of Monica in my life. A little Lou Vega reference. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were to look into your, you know, crystal ball or you had a redo, mm. like, would you do anything differently on this job in hindsight? Uh, I would maybe have brought some silks, you know, so we had a little more control of the sun. But again, you know, I could have used a 12 by 12. But now we're talking about myself having to rig up a 12 by 12 silk. And frankly, I've never had to do that. I've always had, you know, a grip or a, a grip uh, team, you know, coming in with a, with a grip truck and like, yeah, we need a silk here. And, you know, they set it up. Um, you know, I could have had a little more lighting. I could have used a joker, maybe an HMI. I mean, it was, I had to pretty much use all of my LEDs and my Kino flows outdoors, you know, which is not a lot of output. But, no, there's not a know, lot of punch out of those. But, you know, I was able to get, you know, the lights fairly close to the talent and we were in, you know, sort of a control environment in the courtyard. Um, you know, probably could have, ideally, we should have had makeup um, or at least a makeup kit, but nobody requested it. And, you know, we had to just kind of, you know, uh, tissue them a little bit because it was hot. I mean, the first day it was like 95 degrees and very humid. But again, you get into COVID. It's like, does anybody want somebody touching them? Not unless they've been tested. Right, which, you know, we were tested. We had to be. But, you know, one to of get onto Yale's campus, you had to be yeah, tested. Yeah. They yeah, had a rapid a rapid test plan set up. That, no, not really. I mean, we, we got tested a few days before we went down there and had to send them the paperwork saying we'd been tested. But as you know, I mean, all right, you're fine the day you were tested, but what happened between the time you yeah, left the were test? You, so you tested how many days before you went? Um, Like five. So, and were you sequestered for five days after the test? 
Uh, and I will tell you one little funny tidbit that started off the week. So we stayed at a, a really nice hotel. I think you would have been a big fan of it called the Blake, uh, right about five minutes from Yale. A very chic, trendy, super nice hotel. Um, a lot of nice restaurants and bistros nearby. Um, so we had valet parking and they had sort of a courtyard where they kept your car. And I told the guy, you know, I really need to make sure this is secure. I wasn't going to bring everything in to the hotel. So we got in there Sunday night. I handed him my keys, you know, gave him a few bucks, keep an eye on it. He's like, this car won't leave my site. So we get up the next morning at seven, uh, head out at seven. We need to be over at Yale at like seven 30. I go down, hand my, uh, my valet ticket and no key. They don't have my key. Nobody can find my key. So there's my car. There's my van filled with my gear. And nobody, we can't access it. So after about 15 minutes, you know, they kept digging through the keys. I'm like, all right, there's like 12 keys here and none of them are mine. So they call the valet. Of course, it's early in the morning. He'd been working late the night before. There's no sign of it anywhere. Um, we're like, all right, we got to call AAA. Not you. Um, and we got to have them open the car. Then we were planning, all right, how are we going to get all this gear over to, to our first location? So now we're going to need to get a couple of Ubers or whatever. By this point, uh, Ron had suggested, is there any chance that maybe the key ended up in one of the other cars? Now, luckily, there weren't a lot of cars there. So they started digging and opening up other cars. They found my van key and a Mercedes sedan. I, I can Why? see how you would mix up a Mercedes and a Toyota Sienna. I could see yep. how that would happen. Yep. So that's what happened. But, you know, luckily we still got there on time. I tried not to go into panic mode, <laughs> but the, it, you know, didn't need that extra espresso shot the morning, that morning. That's for sure. Well, that, that, that is, as I would expect, uh, par for the course in production. Yes, absolutely. But it, just, it, it 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 does not let my hair grow at a normal fashion. No, and, and you like and this is where you go, why do I choose to do this? is is this is this how other professions work? I just feel like something about the production world, there are a million and one ways for the universe or whoever to, to get you, to snag you. And it either makes you stronger or makes you lose your mind. That's true. Right? But but yet, would you would you trade it for anything else? I don't really know anything else, and my <laughs> skills in academia are pretty weak. So I'm pretty much only qualified to do this or wash dishes. Exactly, and so. you know, can you really put a price on freedom? No, you, you know, I say let freedom ring. <laughs> well, I I have just refilled my glass with some Patron and Yeho. I think. I think I am just having my final sip right now. I will I will raise my glass to mm-hmm. you, Lulita. I will give you a toast to getting the job done, no matter what the cost in human suffering and mental <laughs> anguish. All right, it's, it's all about the podcast now. It's like, in fact, I am almost hoping for there to be uh, a calamity. Because, you know, it, it sucks going through it, but it makes for a good podcast. Well, I appreciate that. I hope the audience appreciates that. And on that note, Lou, I will toast you and say good night. Good night. Cheers. Cheers. Do you have something to say? 
drop me an email at thisweekinproduction@gmail.com, at gmail.com. Or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message. 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, a reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on This Week in Production. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.